재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 And we're back. We are talking about the Bank of Japan's uh, deemed to be, perceived to be, modest expansion of stimulus last week, which uh, some people said could be signaling a change in the uh, bank's policy direction. We're going to take a closer look at the current state of the uh, Japanese economy as it stands right now. Three years since uh, Abenomics, uh, as it's been coined, uh, was launched. Uh, what the uh, world's third largest economy can do to break out of this multi-decades uh, slump known as the lost decades. Uh, joining us here in the studio, we have Professor Yang Jun-suk. We're going to be joined by another expert on the Japanese economy in just a few moments. Text us at pound 1013 for 51 or send us a Talk message by adding TBSCFM as a plus friend. Professor Young, um, this, I suppose, BOJ, we can call it experiment or phase that they've been going through the past few years. Um, whether it succeeds or fails, what kind of an effect does it have on South Korea I know I said to the extent, okay, we always have this sort of perception. We're like a generation behind Japan in a lot of things uh, economy related. And you kind of look them at, look at them as sort of a, a bellwether or a harbinger of things to come. Uh, is there anything to be learned from that? Or is there even any detrimental p- potential effects from what's going on in Japan? Okay, well, direct effect. If the policy economics works, that's not quite ha- a good news for Korea uh, because if the policy works, that means a massive depreciation of the yen. That means loss of competi- relative competitiveness exports, for right. Korean exports. Uh, on the other hand, if the Japanese economy recovers, then there's a chance that it might act as an engine for global recovery. If so, then that will, be, uh, that will mitigate a lot of that effect. But still, uh, Abenomics uh, as a direct Uh, effect on Korea is uh, questionable whether it be good or bad for Korea. Now, as for the uh, lessons that we can learn from it, uh, we can learn a lot of lessons. Problem is we cannot learn the solutions because they haven't figured it out themselves. Uh, Korea faces the same demographics problem. It faces the same uh, uh, falling productivity. Uh, And uh, uh, the uh, structural ref- type of structural reforms that Japan wants to do, uh, Korea, a lot of Korean economists and politicians want to do, but there's a lot of problems with interest groups. Uh, so uh, we see the kind of path that we may take in the future, but we do not see how we can mm. get out of it. But we do know what does not work, at least, right? At least, but still, uh, because we don't know whether it will work. And uh-huh. you also have to remember, the, the, uh, part of the problem with Japan is that they took some of the politically easiest solutions and there's no guarantee that korea will take the harder decisions right right uh we also want to get the perspective on an expert on the japanese economy joining us from the university of queensland economics professor shino takayama hello hi professor takayama thank you so much for joining us Uh, there is a uh, view that uh, Abenomics is on the verge of failure or perhaps it's already failed because the Japanese economy is still, um, I suppose, struggling with sluggish consumption. Uh, there's been a very expansionary monetary policy, uh, extra fiscal spending, and um, I suppose structural reforms that have been promised but have not yet come to fruition. Would you agree with that? Yes, I agree with that. And I actually do think a little bit too early to call it a failure, but Definitely, it is on the verge of failure. Hello? Yes. Uh, yes, yeah. Can you elaborate on, on when you say on the verge of failure? Is it because we haven't seen the results yet that have been promised? 
Well, I think uh, Bank of Japan is running out of what they can do, and then the effects of this uh, expansionary monetary policy are quite temporary, and there, are, there is a fundamental issue in Japanese economy, and then uh, they haven't yet come to uh, concrete policies in terms of uh, structural reforms, I think. Okay. Now, Professor yeah. Yang, um, in your view, and we talk about the uh, stagnating consumer sentiment uh, people it's almost become i suppose very ingrained now in in the society and my uh my family members who work and live there can attest to it is that just people just simply do not spend it's just a way of life for them is that something that is sort of chronic it's 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 here to stay and there really isn't anything to try and boost domestic consumption, especially when we're talking about all these global economic headwinds like Brexit or even China? Okay, I think uh, you have to approach this in two ways. First of all, there's long-term structural problems, which is basically demographics and current uh, interest rate. Uh, usually when you retire, you want to set aside a certain amount, uh, the amount that you think that will last you for uh, 20 or 30 years of retirement. Uh, now, if the interest rate is high, then you can let interest rate do bulk of the work. Uh, you don't have to save a whole lot because the uh, interest will accrue and uh, you will have enough save. But right now, the interest rate is 0% or less. Uh, so uh, you have to directly save everything that you need for retirement, and that naturally means lesser consumption. Uh, the way to get around that is to have a better or a more uh, – uh, a better welfare policy for the uh, retired, for the old. So that, uh, you got, if the government takes care of you in the future, you don't necessarily have to save a lot today. But uh, Japanese government ran out of room. They have too much debt. Mm. Uh, so they cannot really see that as a solution. So they're caught in that uh, trap. Uh, and It's a vicious circle. Right. right. So uh, they're not going to build consumption up that way. Now, their hope was that partially... Uh, increased exports may be able to deal with this uh, through uh, yen depreciation, but every time there is an international financial incident, uh, the yen appreciates, mm -hmm. and that gets rid of any type of uh, plus effect that they may have had in the past because there's just so many crises which are coming out mm -hmm. now. Uh, so uh, for right now, they seem to be stuck in this position, and there's not really a way out of it. Professor Takayama, despite the Bank of Japan's efforts to drive down the yen, uh, as we say, it's the key to the country's export competitiveness. Is the currency ultimately, as uh, Professor Yang alluded to, at the mercy of external forces, which is out of the central bank's control? And will Japan be hampered by a strong local currency um, just because of the fact that because of all the global uncertainties, we still have this safe haven perception of the yen, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Well, I think, uh, yeah, it's right. Professor Yao is correct, and I think uh, Bank of Japan's power about control over the exchange rate is quite limited, and it's very temporary. And so even if they do something, and they cannot bring the exchange rate completely away from some kind of equilibrium level, and then this equilibrium level is basically determined by many other factors, and uh, most of them coming from uh, abroad, which is basically um, they cannot do anything. The Bank of Japan cannot do anything about that. And so, yeah, definitely weaker yen would increase exports for, from Japan to abroad. And But then, it's roughly speaking, it's good for the economy 
uh, because manufacturing is an important industry in Japan, right? But mm-hmm. then uh, things doesn't last long, so they have to come up with something else. Come up with something else, yeah, right? It's a really yeah, interesting. Yeah. It, it's an interesting problem, though. Uh, in a sense, uh, Prime Minister Abe and the Bank of Japan has been trying to wreck yen as a safe haven ever since Abenomics started. They continue saying we're going to just print more money, print more money, print more money, just basically ruin destroy its the value right? of the yen. But the international investors just do not believe them, and I'm wondering, uh, wondering why, frankly. Oh, that, that it is still considered a safe haven currency. Well, it is, it is a safe haven currency because, you know, it appreciates every time that there right. is a crisis. But, I'm, but is this because of just expectations, which is just another word for bubbles, or is there some kind of fundamentals behind it? And I'm getting more and more doubtful that there's fundamentals behind it. Um, Continuing on with that, Professor Yang, is the Bank of Japan, and if we say, okay, they are sort of now signaling that perhaps uh, they're going to have to take a step back with some of the more aggressive monetary uh, policy moves, Korea, the Bank of Korea, a lot of political pressure, a lot of other, I suppose, pundit pressure to be a bit more aggressive in its monetary policy. Does that have any factor in their calculations as far as their interest rate outlook for 2016? Okay, well, uh, one... uh observation about Japan to begin with, I'm not sure if you can say that uh, the uh, Bank of Japan is turning more conservative. Rather, I think they're just literally running out of bullets. Okay. Uh, so it's not so, about being conservative. It's just we, got, we, yeah, we don't have anything not, else to shoot there, at. Yeah, there's just not, not, not more that they can do. Uh, as, far as, Bank of Korea, uh, as far as Bank of Korea goes, there's one fundamental uh, difference between Bank uh, Japan and Korea. Uh, Japan, most of the debt is t- to their own people. So if worst comes to worst, they could uh, print more yen, give it to the government, and pay back uh, the Japanese people, even though the value of it will be maybe destroyed by inflation. Whereas Korea, a uh, lot of our borrowing is from abroad, mm. and we'll have we cannot satisfy, we cannot pay back that borrowing uh, through printing more yuan. We have to give it dollars, and that could uh, cause a financial crisis. So there's, uh, so Korea can almost never go to the negative rates unless the United States goes far, far into the negative rates. Uh, so that's one main difference here. And I think uh, the Bank of uh, Korea seems to be very cautious now because they think that we're not at uh, nominally 0% interest rate, but we're about as low as we can go without causing a financial crisis. Interesting. Uh, Professor Takoyama, do you believe that uh, Prime Minister Abe's fiscal stimulus pledge, um, a lot of concerns, uh, that might add to the uh, Japanese uh, budget deficit burden? Um, we just talked about the levels of public debt. Um, but that being said, and the supporters of Abe will say that we need to take those risks to try and reinvigorate the economy, right? Yes, I think so, because uh, it's already huge, right? Public debt is already huge. And so I think the fiscal policy, the, the stimulus package, so he has to take, and this is the price that he has to pay, I think. Uh, otherwise, nothing will happen. So, but then the... Uh, the risk of increasing more public debt. Uh, yes, that's true. But then, uh, since it's already huge, adding a little bit is already, you know, doesn't matter much, I think. So uh, this is something that they have to pay for. 
And then, uh, but I'm very suspicious about the effects of this uh, stimulus package. So, for example, right, I've been paying like $200, $150 for poor people, right? Uh, you know, but then those things, uh, they don't spend money. Mm-hmm. If they don't think the, their future is bright. And then all of the people getting those money, they still save because right. they, for the time when they get older, right? And, of course, uh, the final question for you, Professor Takayama, and this is an age-old debate. Even here in Korea now, it's been really an ongoing debate. But does more emphasis need to be uh, placed on implementing these structural reforms, especially in the labor market uh, and some of the more heavily regulated sectors of the uh, uh, Japanese economy? Uh, I think this is another polarizing issue. And, of course, you have very strong interest groups. But... Um, for Japan to achieve that sustainable long-term growth, do you think that more than monetary or fiscal stimulus, that structural reform is a potential solution, but is it not feasible? That's, I think I, I do think uh, structural reform is particularly in the labor market, and particularly because the Japanese uh, poverty rate is increasing among particular people, like aged people and also uh, where well, single mother, single parents, families, they have a huge, big uh, poverty rate. And then, uh, so uh, safety net and the job security is important. On the other hand, you know, like uh, there is a heavily protected industry like agriculture. And then uh, I read that, uh, you know, like these sectors, once they face uh, more competition, their productivity increases because they want to improve the quality of products and they want to come up with new technology. So I think structural reforms are important, and then I do think it's feasible, not infeasible. I think it's feasible, and they should do it. They just need the political will, and I suppose it just is determined by how much appetite there is to go against these very powerful interest groups, right? Interest groups, yeah. It's difficult because, yeah, there are elections, and then, yeah, they they both, right? All right. Well, it's as you portrayed and not a very easy situation indeed. Professor Takayama, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Bye. Economics professor Shino Takayama from the University of Queensland. Uh, Professor Yang, I suppose we have a few minutes left. Um, This is maybe a little bit of a thought experiment, but you did say that they kind of made their bed and they have to kind of just go this path right now, this debt-driven path. But if Let's say in the mid-80s, the heydays, right? This is sort of like when Japan was going strong, second biggest economy in the world, uh, massive exports to countries like the United States, the automotive industry, electronics industry. And they were getting closer to those 90s where I suppose, I guess we can agree that's the uh, initial outset of the so-called lost decade, which became, I guess, from the two, from the aughts to the 2010s, the lost two decades. And now I guess we're in the lost two and a half decades at 2016. If they could walk it all back, would what... Could they have gone a different way? Like, could they have adopted, let's say, I don't know, something radical like a basic income model or or something different that could have averted a lot of the things we're seeing, not just the demographic challenges, but the structural reform challenges and obviously this whole fiscal monetary issue? Well, the demographic problem cannot have been avoided. Avoided, okay. Uh, So they will always have some kind of a slowdown, except the question is, would it have been, should it have been this worse? Uh, I think if they had done... uh, uh, some structural reforms earlier, if they had made their labor uh, market more flexible, then I don't think it would have gone this badly. I think it still would have been hit with a slowdown, uh, but still it would not have uh, gone – well, it might have gone this long, but not to this depth. 
uh, demographics problem has to be worked out uh, through people uh, having birth and dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe not, maybe uh, as long, but not as deep. Right. Uh, and in some ways, they did mitigate some of the problems. Uh, one thing I'm always stuck by when looking at Japanese statistics is that uh, there. A lot of the uh, for the recent numbers, the trade deficit is often in the negative, mm-hmm. but the current account is in the positive, and that's because during their heydays, uh, they made a lot of investment in the United States and Europe. Uh, they came up with a lot of technology, and they're getting license fee for that. Right. Uh, they're getting uh, profits from their overseas companies, so that's helping them mitigate some of the problems right now. If they didn't have those uh, investments, they didn't have those technologies, the problem would have been even worse. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, Korea is more or less depending on merchandise exports. Right. And we don't have as many foreign uh, subsidiaries or we don't we have not we haven't purchased as many foreign companies. We don't have uh, as many technologies that we can license for the next 20 or 30 years. So in that sense, uh, we're actually in a worse position uh, so that. We don't have that mitigating sort of icicles factor as what you're saying that Japan currently enjoys. Right. So uh, that actually gives me some nightmares. Yeah. And I I guess that's the question because uh, icicles prior to 2015, uh, Korea's exports were just off the charts, far surpassing the growth in exports in in Japan. We had companies like Samsung overtake companies like Sony as the preeminent sort of global uh, electronics retailers. But you look at the statistics and South Korea always faces a chronic trade deficit with Japan. And that's it's because of those points that you're leaning to. They have that core group of licensing technologies and, and what have you that Korea just simply cannot I suppose, do without. And so there is no choice in that matter. What can Korea do then? Because you say we, we, they don't have a solution yet. So there's not, nothing to benchmark yet. But what can Korea do as far as cautionary tales and say, look, at least we don't, we can avoid some of these minefields that we've seen in the last 25 years with Japan. Okay, one thing is I think we need to look uh, a lot closer on overseas investment. Uh, Traditionally, we want to have a lot of foreign investment into Korea. And even now, we want some of the manufacturing firms which are out in the uh, uh, other countries coming back to Korea to give more Korean jobs. Um, And for manufacturing, I think that's okay. I don't agree 100%. uh, But for uh, something like services, which tend to be less tradable or even yeah. non-tradable uh, if we use some of the uh, foreign reserves we have right now and invest in some of those uh, companies uh, which may just operate in, say, the United States or Europe, uh, provide services there, but because we own it, we get uh, technology transfers or whatever. Not, not even technology transfers, just profits. Okay. Think of, say, the uh, Sony and the movie studio that yes, they own. Right. Uh, Obviously, if they keep making good movies, then they keep getting uh, profits. And part of the profits comes uh, flowing back to Japan just because they own the company. Right. So uh, more uh, aggressive ownership in foreign service providers may be one of the options that we can take. I would like to uh, see some of the foreign reserves used for that purposes. Mm. But the problem is... Uh, we need to maintain our foreign reserves as an insurance against uh, foreign uh, exchange 
uh, crisis. Right. Uh, so we're again caught in this uh, rock in a hard place. Right. Uh, and uh, until we uh, try to solve the uh, problems of the uh, foreign exchange uh, crisis, we can't really use those reserves to uh, make investments abroad. Yeah, very interesting. So I suppose things like um, having a, a Samsung Pictures, like a Sony Pictures type of uh, uh, entity, or even something like uh, what Nintendo has now, as you've seen with the Pokemon Go phenomenon, just these massive successes that I suppose that can, in the long run, um, be beneficial to South Korea, but certainly not an easy fix uh, at all. But again, a cautionary tale. Uh, Professor Young, as always, we appreciate the great discussion and your analysis. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you.